Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message. It's good to be in Oklahoma. It's good to be here today. Good to see Pastor John again. And I think this is, I think this is a perfect height, by the way. This is perfect. I didn't realize it. Is it like this high when you preach? Okay, all right. That's a life goal one day that I get to preach at a really higher pulpit, so maybe I'll keep growing. So <laughs> good to see you. I love Pastor John. Don't you love your pastor? I love him, love his leadership, and he's been a blessing to me. He talks about me blessing him. I need friends, and Pastor John's been a dear friend, somebody I can call and have conversations with and just really learn from, and he's smart, he's sharp, he loves you, he loves the church. Uh, and I'm just grateful that there's good shepherds, shepherding churches all over the nation, and you have one of those good shepherds, and I think you need to honor him every time you can, because it's a hard job right now, and he's doing a good job at it. So I want you to turn your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to be talking about a topic, and I really can't think of a more important topic to talk about today than the, the one I'm going to talk about. And it's, the title of this message is Walking by the Spirit walking with the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so in Galatians 5, we're gonna talk about that. Let me tell you a story real quick. When I was about, I don't know, 24, 25 years old, I was uh, a, a youth pastor, and but our, our church had a school, and this school had all, all kinds of sports teams, and I was the head boys and girls basketball coach. And it was about this time of the year, basketball season was over, and the track coach got fired. Now, and so the athletic director came to me and said, hey, Brady, since your basketball season is over and we don't have another track coach, we want you to coach the track team. The problem was, I didn't know anything about track or field. I didn't know anything. He said, that's not a problem. Just keep them organized, take them to the meets, figure it out. That, that was his advice to me, just figure it out. So I called the boys and girls track team together and had my first meeting with them and I confess, is, look, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know anything about track, and I know less about field. I said, but I do know two things. So two rules here. Number one, run hard, bear to the left, and get back as soon as you can. That's, that's our strategy. So if you've ever run track, that's not a bad strategy, all right? Run hard, bear to the left, get back here as soon as you can. I said, and secondly, do not catch the javelin. Don't catch it or the shot put, or the discus, all right? So that was the only thing, that's all I know about track and field. So our very first track meet, I'll never forget, it was cold and windy, and but we're out there, and, and they, you know we're trying to run this first meet, very first track meet I've ever been track coach at. And I had these two high school freshmen that had never been on a sports team of any kind, anywhere, in any shape or form, I promise. And they, they came to me and said, Pastor Brady, we wanna be on, we wanna run track. And I said, well, listen, the only thing, uh, only spot I have open is to run the mile, the one mile race. And I said, that's four laps around the track. We'll do it, Pastor Brady. We'll do it, Coach Brady. We'll do it. So the very first track meet, they, <laughs> I can still see their faces. They're, they're about 110 pounds each. Freshmen, had their they had their uniform on very first time. And, and so they're, they're down ready. You know, they're about to start the race. And the guy's over there with a gun. And he goes, pow! And they take off on a dead sprint 
like they were running the 100-meter race. And they would jumped out in front of everyone. And this old grizzled track coach that was standing next to me, he goes, who put the rabbits in the race? <laughs> I didn't know what he was talking about, but apparently that's some kind of strategy. Anyway, they took off. Here, they finished last and next to last. Because it's not how you start the race, it's how you finish the race, right? And there's a lot of people that take off running fast and get way out ahead of everyone else only to discover that that's not the pace that God's called you to run. So I wanna talk to you about running the race. Here's what I, I learned about them when I was watching these two young guys take off running. I could train them, I could instruct them, I could encourage them. But once the race started, they're the ones that had to run the race. Listen, Victory Church, your pastor can encourage you and instruct you and equip you, but once we leave this room today, the race is yours. And I, there, let's make no doubt about it, you have a race to run. So go with me to Galatians chapter five, and Paul is actually using race language for a reason. I don't know if you know this, but around the Mediterranean region where Paul was uh, working, racing was a big deal. Running and racing was a big deal. There were two really important uh, athletic events and, and, and everyone knew about was the Isthmian Games and the Olympic Games. But in between all that, there were constant people racing around, racing and running. Runners were a big deal. And so Galatians chapter five, Paul's writing to a group of people who understood track and field. They understood racing. Listen to what he says. You were running, verse seven, you were running a good race. You were doing well. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. Now look, look there's three things here I want you to notice about this passage of scripture. He says we're called to run a good race. There are no bleachers in the kingdom of heaven. There's only a racetrack. And listen, the last two and a half years, if it's proven anything, it's, it's proven to us how little it takes to get us distracted. Think about the last two and a half years, how our lives have been interrupted, how we've been knocked off the race. And even now, we're just now getting our equilibrium back, right? We're just now getting back into the routines that God's called us to. It, it, a, a virus comes along, political upheaval comes along, and it knocks some of the church off their race, where we ended up spending more time in our home than in the mission field. We, got, we, we no longer could go love our neighbor because we were told to avoid our neighbor. And see, this is what the enemy does in these, in these kinds of situations, is he gets us distracted, he discourages us. And this is what Paul was saying, he says, you're called to run a race, but you can be distracted. In fact, he's saying, who knocked you? Who cut in on you? I don't know if you've ever watched a group of people running, and I was watching a race, I was watching the NCAA uh, meet the other day. And on the last leg of the 800 meters, they were coming down the final stretch, and there was about 12 or 13 runners. I don't know how they don't trip each other up. I mean, they were real close to each other. And suddenly, this girl elbowed her way out of the group and got on the outside and took a burst of speed and got to the finish line. That's the language Paul's using. Who elbowed you? Who cut in on you? Who nudged you? Who, who bumped you to the side? Who did that to you? And he says, listen, we can all be deceived. 
And listen, there's two things that gets the church off track, discouragement and deception. And every believer, every follower of Christ can be deceived and can be discouraged. And you've all, we've all gone through this the last couple of years, right? Let's be honest. We've all gone through seasons where we thought we knew what was going on only to discover we didn't. And then there was times when we just felt discouraged. Like this is, normal's never coming back. And suddenly here we are, normal's back. Whatever that is, right? And so I just want you to, I love the song we just sang about God's faithfulness. And when the next time you find yourself in a season of discouragement, that's when you stop and sing songs like the one we just sang. He's been faithful to me in the past. He's been with me in the past. And he will be with me every single day of my life. Here's what I believe about this passage when Paul's talking. He says, throughout scripture, an enemy is present. From the very beginning, like the opening pages of the Bible, we have this serpent that comes in to deceive Adam and Eve. We have this enemy that is present with us. And Victory Church, let me remind you that if you're not facing any kind of opposition, you're probably not doing anything significant for Jesus. But when you are in the race, when you are running the race, you're gonna get elbowed. You're gonna get pushed. You're gonna get shoved. You're gonna get discouraged. And these things, when they come against you, instead of saying, uh, instead of it discouraging you, let it encourage you. That you're doing something that's a threat to the enemy. He is offering you resistance for a reason because you're taking holy ground. You're taking kingdom ground. And when you start taking kingdom ground, the enemy resists you. He pushes against you. These last three years, it was really the first time for a lot of my pastor friends that they'd ever gone through a hard season. And I had a lot, and John and I were talking about this because your pastor has gone through much more difficult days in COVID. I mean, although that was tough, it wasn't the toughest thing we've ever gone through. And I'd have these pastors call me just discouraged and say, Pastor Brady, Pastor Brady, what do we do? What do we do? And I said, listen, this is not even in the top five of the most difficult days we've had at New Life Church. Not even in the top five. And I tell him, we have muscle memory. Victory Church, you have muscle memory. You know how to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't have to fear no evil. You've looked evil in the eye. You know how to keep walking. You know what to do. Let me remind you, you're tougher than you think. You're more resilient than you think. You're, you're, you're full of the Spirit of God. The Word of God is a, is a light to your path, a lamp to your feet. You know what to do. You know how to run the race when the wind is in your face. Come on, you don't have to have the wind at your back to run the race. You know how to run in the face of, of great difficulty. You know how to keep walking when everybody else is stopping. You know how to do this. And regardless, it's clear that we'll have opposition to anything you try to do for God. All right, let's skip down now to verse 16. Let me show you this, okay? I was reading through this, and I was teaching this to my church recently, and I'd never seen this, this shift in the language. So in verse seven, Paul says you were running a good race. Verse 16, listen to what Paul says. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Now notice, Paul's pointing out what the real battle is here. Most of the time, you know who your greatest enemy is? Yourself. I am the hardest person I've ever had to lead. <laughs> Come on, somebody say amen to that. You're the hardest person you've ever had to lead. In fact, if I can lead myself, I can lead the world. <laughs> and 
And this is what Paul is saying. He says, they are in conflict with each other. The real battle is the battle that's raging inside of our mind, our heart, and our soul. That's where the battle's won or lost, by the way. If I can win that fight, I can win all the other fights. And he's saying, so you're not to do whatever you want. I was telling my kids recently, I said, I have a 23-year-old son who's about to graduate college. I have a 21-year-old daughter. She graduates college this year, which means mom and I are about to get a raise. Come on, somebody say amen to that. And I'm about to send them out into the world. Say, hey, go, come back when you have grandkids. That's the, that's the conversation I'm about to have with them right now. Hey, I love you, God bless you. I'm not spending any more money on you, but I'll spend money on grandkids. So that's the motivation, come on. <laughs> so I love my kids, they're great. They love, they love Jesus, they're remarkable young men and women, but I told them that one of the great lies that their generation has heard and believed is that you can do whatever you want and be whoever you wanna be. In fact, in fact, we got into this conversation the other day that uh, Callie said that one of her friends gave her some advice about, said, Callie, just follow your heart. And I went, Callie, please, dear God, do not ever follow your heart. Your heart is wicked and easily deceived. Follow the Spirit. Follow Jesus. And I've told my kids, I know, this is, I know this goes against every grain of popular parenting right now, but when my kids were little, I told them, you can't be anything you want. That's one of the greatest lies that parents tell their kids. You can be whatever you want. No, you can't. I'm 55 years old. I've wanted to be the Dallas Cowboys quarterback all my life, and it's not going to happen. I'm not going to be an astronaut. I'm not going to be an actor. I'm not going to be rich and famous. I'm just not. You can't be anything you want and do not follow your heart. Now, everybody hates me, but here's the point is, I actually have better news for you than that. Walk by the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. I tell my kids, listen, be filled with the Spirit. Surrender your wanter to Jesus and then do whatever you want. That's good parenting right there. I'm gonna write a book on that one day. <laughs> I wanna tell you a story. This is a, a, a true story. Normally, I don't let the facts get in the way of a good story, but <laughs> everything I'm about to tell you is certifiably true. Now, I have, I have a mom who's 75 years old. She uh, has not been to the doctor in 15 years because she says she feels great. Uh, she does not take any prescription meds. She drives a pickup, and she uses a gasoline chainsaw to this day. I told Pastor John the other night she came home from her Wednesday night prayer meeting, and she's 75, and she's a part of the youth group at her church. It's, a, it's, a, it's an older church. <laughs> 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 Yes, it's, I love that little church. <laughs> she came home from this from her prayer meeting and there was a five foot Burmese python, true story, curled up at her back door and her neighbor had turned out a bunch of exotic snakes because they were moving to another city and these snakes had gotten kind of big and eaten everything in the neighborhood apparently. So my mom kills it and throws it in the lake where she lives. And my mom does not have the internet, okay? She does not have... Uh, a computer inside of her house. She does not have Wi-Fi. She has a flip phone, but she doesn't know how to use the camera on it. And so I said, Mom, uh, describe the snake to me. So I looked up what she was describing it, and I showed her a picture when I got, went to visit her. She goes, yeah, that's it. I said, it was a Burmese python. 
Now, my mom's tough, and I'm telling you this for a reason. She's tough as nails. She's tougher than anybody in the room. She's tougher than me. So one morning, now my mom is a woman of tremendous routine. You can predict my mom down to the second every day what she's doing. Every other Thursday at 10.30 in the morning, she drives 30 miles to the nearest Walmart to resupply her house. The Starbucks is an hour and a half from her house, and I know that for a reason. The Walmart's 30 miles away. She lives in a remote area of East Texas, Shelby County, East Texas, deep in the woods. The end of the earth is two miles from her house. If you're a flat earth person, I know where the edge drops off. It's right two miles from my mom's house, all right? This is where she lives. <laughs> it's very remote. So I'm not a flat earth person, but I, yeah, as a joke, all right? So 10.30 every other Thursday, she gets her purse and gets in her pickup and drives to Walmart. Several months ago, she reached down to grab her purse and the Holy Spirit said to my godly mother, don't go. So she lets her purse down, she just stops. At 11 o'clock, she goes back over to her purse to pick up her purse and the Holy Spirit says, don't go. 11.30, 12, 12.30, one, Finally, at 1.30, my mom walks over. She's kind of frustrated, but she can't get peace. She feels this overwhelming urge not to go to Walmart. So she reaches down at 1.30, and the Holy Spirit says, you can go now. So my mom gets her purse, gets in her pickup, and drives to the end of her, her road that she lives on, and it comes to a T. You take a right to go to Walmart. You take a left to go fishing. That's how I know how to go there, right? So she, she gets to that, that stop sign and stops, and down on the right side is a deep ditch. I mean, a really deep, four, four foot deep ditch. It's covered in briars and thickets. It's, a, it's just a big old culvert down there. It's a mess. They need to clean it out. My mom looks over in this ditch and a little head pops up. Turns out it's a 21 year old girl, young woman. And she's cut up and scratched and got blood and sweat all over. She's muddy. She's been hiding in these ditches around that area for three days. And she pops her head up, and my mom, like any other woman in East Texas, rolls her window down and says, honey, how can I help you? And she said, would you drive me to my grandfather's house? So my mom opens the door for her and said, mom, you're 75 years old. You're just letting strangers into your pickup. And my mom says, well, I have a gun. <laughs> so, Okay. I forgot about that, which, and that's supposed to make me feel better that my 75-year-old mother, who just had cataract surgery, is, is packing heat, you know? Probably illegally. <clears throat> so anyway, this girl gets in the pickup with her. And my mom, you know, you know women have things that we, that, that she just like give her a full bath and medicines and all kinds of stuff coming out of her purse. The girl cleans up. My mom doesn't have social media, she doesn't have the internet. For three days on Facebook in that area, the, the Shelby County Sheriff's Department had issued this countywide search for this girl. She's married to a drug dealer, and some drugs had gone missing. And she was accused of stealing the drugs, and her husband was trying to find her, and he was probably gonna kill her. Now I want you to think about this just for a moment. My mom is 75 years old, she's a widow. And for three hours, 
she would go over to her purse and the Lord would say, the Holy Spirit would say, no. And I wonder how many other people, because everybody in Shelby County loves Jesus, you can't throw a stick and not hit a Christian in Shelby County, I promise. How many people had driven by there and the Holy Spirit was trying to get someone to stop? Listen, we've complicated this whole thing, this whole mission that God has us on. Let me tell you really what God wants. You want the Holy Spirit wants from you? This is gonna really make it simple for you. You know what he wants? He wants you to pay attention. You know how much ministry is available to every one of us if we would just pay attention? And some of you are bored with your faith and that's not God's fault. God has all kinds of things for you to be doing. He has an exciting, powerful life for you to live. If only we would pay attention. Every other day I call my mom, check on every two or three days. I'm a pretty good son, I'm not a great son, I'm pretty good. So every two or three days I call and check on her and this is how the conversation always goes. Mom, how are you doing? Fine, I said, what's going on down there? Nothing. Well, she had, I had called her that day or the day after, so when I went down to visit her, she's telling me this story. I said, Mom, when I call you and I ask you, what's going on? This is one of the stories you could tell me. <laughs> Nothing, just rescuing people out of the ditch. So she drives this girl about five miles down to her grandfather's house. And when they pull into the driveway, the grandfather standing at the front door sees his granddaughter and comes running out, sobbing, crying, because they thought she was dead. They hadn't, they hadn't seen her in three days. You know, we just saw a national news story where a young girl goes out to Utah with a boyfriend and he kills her. And I wonder how many times they stopped and there was a Christ follower there who could have intervened. Listen, I'm not trying to be uh, overly dramatic to you, okay? This is a dramatic story that I'm telling you. I'm here today to stir up in you a sense of expectancy that if God can use a 75-year-old widowed woman who did not finish high school, if he, if he can use her, he can use everyone in this room. And I've watched my mom for 50 years live this kind of life. I can tell you 100 stories. I was, I was recently in Guatemala preaching at this pastor's conference. A few thousand pastors were there. Late at night, I'm tired, I've been going all day long, and this Guatemalan national guy who lives there was gonna drive me back to the hotel. So I went over to him and I said, I'm ready to go back to the hotel, will you drive me back? He goes, can't go yet. I said, well, why not? He goes, I just, you know, he has broken English, I have broken Spanish, and he was saying, he's saying, uh, I, I can't, we can't, I don't feel peace. Can we just wait for a few minutes? So we just kind of stood there. I mean, I can't talk to him that much because I don't know much Spanish. I did understand what he was saying. And so we just kind of stood there awkwardly for like 20 minutes. And he goes, now we go. We got in the pickup, drove straight to the hotel. No, no problems. So I'll have to wait to heaven to find out what was going on. But I can just tell you story after story after story after story of when the Holy Spirit would interject his way into my life nudge me, and listen, 95% of it, you know what the Holy Spirit says to me? 95% of the time is to call and encourage someone. This is how simple this is. Call them. When was the last time you felt prompted? You saw somebody's face, somebody that you hadn't talked to in a while popped up on your radar screen. That's the Holy Spirit often. Listen, Satan is not going to tell you to call someone and encourage them. It's got to be God. It's God. 
So let me give you three things. I've watched my mom do these three things all her life. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? I'm gonna give you some real practical things, things that I do every day in my life now and have been doing for a long, long time. Here's the first thing. We welcome the Holy Spirit every single day. Now, I was here a couple of years ago, and I taught you this. It's okay if you don't remember, okay? But it was a three-word prayer that I taught you two years ago when I came and spoke. And the three-word prayer that the church has been praying for about 1,800 years, that we can, we can find this prayer in church history, 1,800 years ago, pastors would stand in front of their congregation and teach them to pray, come, Holy Spirit. Now, it's not because we think the Holy Spirit's run off and left us. I'm not here to argue with you theologically. It's not about that. The reason we pray, come, Holy Spirit, is to remind ourselves of how much we need the Holy Spirit, of our desperation for the Holy Spirit. I had a young guy ask me the other day, Pastor Brady, do I need the Holy Spirit to get to heaven? I said, listen, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. Are you kidding me? You need the Holy Spirit for everything you're doing in your life. I'm, I'm shocked at how many people are trying to follow Jesus without the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told us, don't try this without the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's better for you that I'm leaving because I'm gonna send someone better, the Holy Spirit, who will guide you into all truth. And the reason so many people are walking around in deception is because we're not welcoming the Holy Spirit into our life. So for about six years now, every single morning, and I've missed a few mornings, but not many, before my feet hit the ground, before I check my iPhone, before I turn on any cable news, I say, come, Holy Spirit. This morning, I woke up very early. Before I got out of my bed, I turned my hands toward heaven, and I said, come, Holy Spirit. Come. I need you today. My assignment in the kingdom of heaven today requires the person and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So if you wanna add something to this prayer, I, I, I add this to the prayer oftentimes. Come, Holy Spirit. Give me eyes to see and ears to hear. Give me a mind to understand and a heart to really believe all that you're saying and all that you're doing. And what, is it, what does that do? That focuses my attention on the Holy Spirit. Now, who is the Holy Spirit going to lead me toward all day long? Jesus. And the reason we're not seeing Jesus is because we're not walking with the Holy Spirit. And if you're not walking with the Holy Spirit, you can't run the race. In fact, every great walker that I've ever, every great runner that I've ever known started out as a really good walker. Every great runner starts out as a great walker. And because they're welcome, they learn to walk with the Spirit, and they look up one day and they're running full throttle. They're running the race that is set before them because they've learned to walk with the Spirit. So if you welcome the Holy Spirit every day, here's the second thing that will happen naturally. You'll surrender your schedule. You know why most people don't get involved in the miraculous work of God? They're just too busy to be bothered. Let me ask you a question. Who are you, wor a lot of people are worshiping their schedule every day. They're worshiping their busyness. When you've got to create margin in your day. Holy Spirit, I am yours and you are mine. Holy Spirit, today I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to be in airports later today. I'm going to be in a church today. I'm going to be with some friends today. I think I know what's going to happen, but I, how many of you have predicted with 100% accuracy everything that's going to happen in your day? When was the last time that happened? 
that you got up one day and said, I can predict with 100% accuracy what's going to happen today. No, you can't. So we leave room to be interrupted. We leave room to be distracted. In fact, we welcome it. Holy Spirit, if there's something today that you, that you can use me, I'm available. See, think of, let me just ask you this. This is where boredom, you, there's no reason for us to be bored in our faith. If our eyes are open to every opportunity, in fact, most of, six out of seven days of the week, we should fall into our beds exhausted and joyful and excited about the work of God in our lives. That, and that's, that's the way it should look. So we surrender our schedule. And then if you surrender your schedule, okay, this is get, I'm getting down to the minutia of this. If you welcome the Spirit and you surrender your schedule, what will happen is you'll pay attention to the Holy Spirit every second. You start paying attention in a different way. My schedule is yours, Lord. Okay, if, if your schedule is, is the Lord's, then every second of the day you become hyper aware of what's going on around you. We welcome, we surrender, and we pay attention. Now, I know the question you're, you're asking is, well, Pastor Brady, how do I know that it's the voice of the Lord? That is a great question. Let me tell you a story, okay, real, real quick. When I was dating Pam, when I first met her, and it's not true now, because been, she's been my girlfriend 35 years. We got married in the seventh grade. It was a scandal of junior high. It was <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> I think that's a funny joke, is it? Anyway, we were very young. We weren't in seventh grade, but we weren't far removed from that. I'm from Louisiana, so that makes perfect sense, all right? So, <laughs> the, um, when I started dating her, it's not true now, but it was true then, there were other girls that I liked 35 years ago. So back then, we did not have caller ID. And I think that's why my generation hears the Holy Spirit better than yours. Because we don't have, we, didn't, we, didn't, we couldn't cheat with caller ID. It trained us up in the ways of God. Do you remember rotary phones? Remember those, okay? If you had a lot of eights and nines in your number, no one called you, it was too much work. Like, just too hard. So when the phone rang at your house, it was a great mystery. You didn't know who was calling you. Now you get, you get like blood types, you get their facial images, you get their whole world, you get everything. Back then it was just a ring. And you, when you went to the phone, you didn't know who was calling you. Now Pam would call the house sometimes, but other girls called the house too. So I was just getting to know Pam and I liked her. And when the phone rang and I heard a female voice say, hey Brady, I have three seconds to get the name right. <laughs> or it's game over, right ladies, game over. If you call me by another girl's name, it's game over. And I remember early on when Pam would call, I would go, Pam, yeah, Bow. yes. That was early. Now, 35 years later, Pam could be sitting in this audience and without saying a word, could speak paragraphs to me. And this is the reason women get married, is to train a man to hear her voice. Because the voice of God normally sounds like my wife's voice. I tell people I'm bilingual, I speak English and I speak Pam, right? Now how did that happen? It happened because at some point in our relationship, I could distinguish her voice from other women's voices 
because her voice became exclusive to me. And the reason a lot of people have a hard time discerning the voice of the Lord is because there's too many other voices competing for your attention. But when the voice of the Lord becomes your source for life, when God is the preeminent, predominant source, the only source, I've been teaching my kids this since they were tiny, tiny, tiny. And it started with this, all the parents in the room, listen, this is so simple. Jack Hayford taught me this. I, when they were little, my kids, when I said, Abram, Callie, they were required to respond to me. I didn't let my kids ignore me. If I speak and they hear me, they said, yes, dad, yes, dad. That's what, that, even today, 23 years old, if Abram was across the room, I said, Abram, he'd go, yes, dad. Now, why would I do it? I'm doing that because when they hear my voice and they learn to respond to the good dad's voice, at some point, they're gonna be conditioned to hear the good father's voice. And every time they hear God's voice, I want them to be conditioned to say, yes, Lord, like Samuel did. Samuel said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Is it you, God? And over time, the only, listen, the number, the, the primary thing I'm called to do with my children, I want them to, I want them to know the Bible. But the, and I want them to know Bible stuff, Bible facts. But Bible facts are not going to save them. What will save them is if they hear the voice of the Lord that's affirmed by the scriptures, but I want them to hear the voice of the Lord. If I can teach them to hear God's voice, they will be successful the rest of their lives. I'm trying, that's what our goal is. And listen, some of you today just need to make God more primary. Start right now, it may take you a couple of years, this is not an overnight thing, okay? 35 years I have been listening to the voice of the Lord. People ask me all the time, how do you know this voice of the Lord? Well, I, same way I know it's Pam's voice. Okay, all the moms in the room, when you can have a, your child can be in a group of 100 children, and your child can cry when all 100 other kids are crying. You know it when it's your kid, though. You can hear your child's voice in a mob of other voices. Listen, we're designed to hear the still, small voice of God. It's wired into our DNA. We're wired to respond. We're wired to hear the voice of the Lord. Let me read this last passage of scripture to you out of Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, if all that's true, what I've just said, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything. Again, this, this sounds like Galatians 5 to me. Let's throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run. There's that word again. Let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. This passage of scripture is often read at funerals to kind of comfort people and encourage people. But I don't think this is a funeral text. I think this is a text for the living. I was in the UK not long ago and I was walking, there was an old Anglican church that I was, I was walking and there was probably three or 400 graves around the church, all around, the big graveyard, all surrounding the church. And I thought, you know, this is not, this is not fit into the American church growth model. Step number one, plant your church in the middle of a graveyard. And I thought it kind of, I found it kind of odd, you know. I was walking with the, with the pastor through this graveyard. It was like a path 
to the, and I, I made that kind of funny comment. I said, this wouldn't fly in America. Nobody would plant their church in the middle of a graveyard. It, would, you know, it, would not, it, would, it wouldn't cause church growth. You know, I, was, I was being funny. And the pastor says, this is actually the highlight of my day when I come to church. Because I just walked past my grandmother's funeral graveside. And my Annie is over there, and my uncle's over there, and my parents will be buried here. And every time I walk to church, I have to walk by the graveside of my grandmother who is cheering me on from heaven. And he quoted this passage of scripture to me, Hebrews 12. You're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And I thought, what a beautiful idea that you have to walk through the faithfulness of past generations to come to your place of worship. Listen, Victory Church, and some, many of you watching online, you've never said yes to this Jesus that I'm talking about. And I wanna, I wanna give you an invitation today to say yes to Jesus, to Christ. Listen, Jesus knows you. He, he has wired you to hear his voice. Some of you are wandering through life aimlessly right now and you don't know where your life is taking you and you need to, uh, listen, every, nobody in this room can save themselves. I cannot save myself. I tried for a really long time to save myself and can't do it. All of us, all of us need a savior. And that person is Jesus. And today I'm just gonna pray a very simple prayer with you and some of you watching online, if you're listening to this message and you wanna live this kind of life, you didn't know that God was that accessible. You had no idea that you could come that close to God, you can. You can walk close to the God of the universe. Jesus is the one that provided the way and the Holy Spirit is the person that causes us to live this kind of life. So I wanna pray a very simple prayer. It's gonna sound super simple. And when you pray it and believe it, it'll change your life though. In fact, I want everyone in the room to pray. It's a great prayer to pray even if you follow Jesus for 40, 50 years. It's a great prayer to pray. So would you just pray it out loud with me this morning? Father in heaven, I cannot save myself. I need help, I need a savior. So today I choose, I make a choice to follow Jesus with all my heart, with all my soul, with all of my mind. I declare today, Jesus is Lord. And I pray that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit, that I may follow Jesus all the days of my life. And I ask this today in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen. God bless you guys, it's so good to be with you. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.